Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. This episode of the Platinum Sombrero Podcast is brought to you by Edgar Allan Potpourri. Want to freshen up your bleak existence? Try new Edgar Allan Potpourri, the avant-garde line of room-freshening essence. With new scents like Annabelle Lemon, Rose Gold Bug, and Cherry Pit in the Pendulum, you'll be able to fend off that gothic sense of impending death, and you'll smell great doing it. Quoth the Raven, this room smells fantastic. Edgar Allan Potpourri, patent pending. plus on their feet. Nobody's left to beat the traffic tonight, I guarantee you. Mark gets the sign. The wind and the pitch, here it is. Long, fly ball, deep left center. Grissom on the run. Yes, 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 yes. Atlanta Braves giving you a championship. A 25 lighters on my dresser. Yes, sir. You know I got to get paid. Now get ready, this is the Platinum Sombrero Podcast with your hosts, Dylan Short and Adam Doc Herbert. What's up, everybody? It is another episode of the Platinum Sombrero. Dylan and Doc here with you, as always. And today, we've got somebody who you may have heard a little bit about. He kind He's the new flavor in town. He's the guy that uh, seems to be having the Gohara treatment this year, jumping up levels, dominating fools down in the minor leagues. He is Bruce Zimmerman, the newest addition to the Mississippi Braves roster, coming off yet another dominant start. Bruce, thanks for joining us today. Thanks for having me on the show, guys. Now, before we even get into all these questions, I have to ask, how does it feel to, to come up and pitch just as well as you were down below? Is it, is it, does it even affect you, or is it just expected? Um, I mean, I expected it of myself, but it's definitely a, a gratifying you know, to come up and prove that your stuff is as good as it was in the, uh, in the lower levels, um, and kind of a testament to you know, the hard work and learning what I can from each level and uh, trying to apply it as quickly as possible, especially when... Uh, I get the opportunity to make a jump like I did, um, you know, just trusting the process and trying to pick up whatever type of uh, tips and experiences I can from the players around me and coaches around me. Now, for those that aren't that are living under a rock and haven't seen your ascension yet, uh, describe your describe yourself, describe your style of pitching to these guys, your arsenal, what you throw, how fast you're hitting, all that good stuff for them. Uh, I'm a four pitch guy. I'm definitely not going to wow you with the radar gun. Uh, that's something I've never really done in my career as a pitcher. I've always kind of been uh, a stock lefty with I mean, a little bit of velo. I'll get up to the low nines, um, but nothing that's really gonna gonna blow you away. Um, but because of that, I mean, I've I've learned how to pitch throughout my career. Um, 
not saying it any better than anybody else, but I've definitely had to, to rely on, you know, sequencing and uh, my changeups always been my, my go-to ever since college. Um, my dad actually forced me to throw a changeup before he let me throw a curveball. So that's actually working out well for Smart me now. Smart man. Um, <laughs> uh, but then I'll throw a slider and a curveball. The curveball is kind of my fourth pitch. It's a work in progress still right now. Um, slider's been pretty effective in uh, my strikeout pitch this year. Um, but basically, I mean, just not trying – I don't try to really overpower guys. Um just try to pitch in sequences, you know, four pitches or less, and uh, try to go as deep in the games as I can, you know, help the bullpen and, you know, help our team get a quality start and put our team in a position to win. Is there any particular pitcher that you kind of model yourself after or that you uh, you try and pick up a couple things here and there and implement into your game? Um, I mean, any lefty starter in the bigs, uh, I always try to watch if they're on. Um but uh, big, obviously the the big three that pitched uh, for the Braves. Um, they, I mean, those guys really didn't overpower anybody, but um, you know, they know how to pitch. And Dallas Keuchel is a guy I really like to watch nowadays. Um, Doesn't I mean he's he's kind of I feel like the same type of uh, same type of pitcher. Um, but yeah, any any guy that I can I can watch that you know is doing it, not lighting up the radar gun. I mean, I try to take from those guys as much as possible because um, you know. You get away with more with velocity, and that's not taking anything away from those guys that are blessed with, you know, power arms. Um, but there's something to be said about guys that can kind of do it on the lower end of the spectrum and, and still be successful. So I got to ask, do you when you you talk about your four pitches, every pitcher kind of has a, a slightly different grip on it. Do you have do you have a pitch that like maybe your slider you hold completely different? Do you have a pitch that is kind of your own? You just call it a slider or a curve or a change because that's the motion. Do you have your own Bruce Zimmerman pitch? <laughs> uh, I don't think it's anything that crazy. Um, my my changeup I do hold a little. I hold it as a two seam changeup instead of across the seams like most people hold a four seam circle change. Um, so I get a little more sync on my changeup, um, which I definitely think is uh, tailor-made in ground balls and swings and misses. And then my slider, um, the, when I got to when I got picked by the Braves, they, uh, they were kind of working with me and trying to tweak it a little bit. Um, but I kind of went back to my old grip, which is a little more so like a cutter grip uh, that a lot of guys throw their slider as. So I really, when it looks like I'm throwing a slider, it's like, I mean, I'm, I throw the hell out of it. And so sometimes it might have a little, uh, not the sweeping action of a slider, but kind of the uh, the depth drop um, instead. So, I mean, it's a little bit tweaked to different pitches. Um, just kind of find what works for me and, you know, just roll with it. Now, this is going to lead, I'm totally going off script here, but I got to ask, have you ever in a game, uh, whether it was high school, college, or whatever, have you ever just tried a pitch mid-game and had to resume, like, nope, not not today, we'll scrap that pitch? Have you ever just tried to throw one? <laughs> uh, there was one time in, uh, in high school, uh, I tried to, you know, one of those guys tried to drop down kind of sidearm and kind of just let the, the run of the ball, like, take it because you get a little more action with that. And I'm pretty sure the dude just, like, roped it for a double or triple. And I was like, that's just not me. I'm not doing that. <laughs> so do you have a, a, a specific pregame routine? I know that baseball players are nothing if not incredibly superstitious. So is there anything that you will always do, or, or do you just kind of take it as it comes? Um, well, you, I could definitely attest to the fact that baseball players are a little uh, uh, superstitious. Um and I'm, I definitely kind of fall into that category, I guess, with my routines. 
Uh, you could probably ask anybody I played with through the Braves organization or even in college. Uh, if I'm not a routine guy, there's there's nobody else that is. Um, I have a pretty set routine starting. A lot of people, it starts like two hours before. Sounds like a long time, but I mean, it's just a series. This, uh, you know, got my get my stretching and lower body, upper body. Um, I definitely do all the the tubing work, and I also do some weighted ball stuff. So that factors into my routine. Um, but more so the fact of being superstitious about it, I, I really help, think it helps me, um, you know, stay on track in between starts as well as getting me locked in before before a start. Um, something that like I know. No matter if I have a good outing before or if I had a bad outing before, um, you know, it just keeps me back on track and, you know, sets me back to ground zero uh, in between each each start. And uh, kind of, like I said, helps me get locked in before each start. Now, we mentioned earlier about your, your rapid rise and ascension this year through the ranks. Getting a skip a level is a pretty big deal. Uh, when you see the last two that skipped a level were Mike Soroka and Colby Allard. Um, you came out of a very small school, Mount Olive. And then I believe you went to Towson before Mount Olive, correct? Yes, and I applaud you for actually saying Towson correctly. <laughs> I was going to uh, say Towson or Towson, something weird like that. Well, that's so. good. Usually I'm the one screwing up the words. But uh, <laughs> does coming from a school that small, does it does it kind of does it affect the way you pitch? Does it drive the, your, your perception to, uh, to go out there and get it? I don't want to say put a chip on the shoulder because that's not really – what I'm trying to ask here does it does it motivate you a little bit more I guess to uh, to kind of show people hey I'm not just another senior sign hey I was good enough from the get go does it give you that kind of that build or are you just kind of the chill guy um well the the fact the reason I ended up at Mount Ob was because I wanted to I felt like I had a shot um and I, others had told me that I mean I could have been a shot at you know playing professional baseball um because I mean I was I was throwing probably like 86 to 89 my freshman and sophomore year um kind of bumped up my sophomore year after that touching like some low nines and went into summer ball and um Mount Olive just offered a they had a track record of, of getting guys drafted all americans even though they were a small d2 school they were a powerhouse for d2 um and we i continued that when i went there we uh Made it to the eight straight regionals when I was there. Um, we were number one in the nation my senior year for about two-thirds of the year. Um, so there's something to be said about the guys that are being produced out of D2 colleges. Um, it's definitely increased in the last five years. Um, but as far as like a chip on my shoulder or anything like that, um, I feel like you could ask any guy that has success at a decent level in college, um, no matter how small or big the college. Yeah, there's always – little higher expectations for the guys that come out of sec schools or stuff like that um i mean I, I knew what i had in college and i knew it translated um you know the jump up to double a was definitely a, a blessing um and i'm grateful for it but i mean i i feel like with the stuff i had i mean it, it's a little bit of a chip on the shoulder but it's kind of fun you know to prove that you know my stuff plays and i'm here to show that it's more that competitive edge rather than that uh that hostile yeah. edge i guess it's- yeah, exactly. I mean, the competing is one thing that um, I'll do. I'll go in and day in and day out. I just want to compete and, uh, you know, sh- show what I got and help our team win. So it's definitely um, a lot of fun to show that to a lot of people who, you know, may look down on D2 or a senior sign with the way the draft works nowadays. Um, so that's gratifying. But, I mean, definitely the thing that I get out of the most is just, you know, going out and competing every single day. 
did you know that the Braves were going to draft you? I mean, were there any other teams that you that you thought were uh, were really interested, or any teams that you hoped would wind up taking you? I know that you're you're from Maryland, so I don't know if you're a, you're an Orioles guy, and we're hoping that you'd wind up wearing orange and black or what. Uh, funny story about that. Um, I mean, I always wanted to be an Oriole, but I mean, we can all attest to the Orioles organization at this point. It's unfortunate. <laughs> um, but uh, as far as my draft um, eligibility, when I was when I was in my, my senior year, I mean, my junior year, I was getting looked at um, by two or three teams, um, and then my senior year, pretty much every team that contacted me, and I had a list of about six or seven teams that I knew were going to take me. Um, I was pretty positive and they were pretty adamant about taking me as a money saver pick from, you know, seventh through 10th rounds or whatever. Um, the Braves were obviously number one on the list. The guy, my area scout had been to about 11 of my like 13 starts, um, along with some of their cross checkers. So I knew they were the, the best suitors. Um, the angels were a close second for sure. Um, and the Yankees, but the angels I knew were the, the second team behind the Braves and because of, um, they we were lucky enough to get Kyle right. He fell to us. Um, they had to take me a little bit earlier to save some money, which, you know, fifth round is fifth round. I'll take it all day long. Um, but yeah, the Braves I knew were pretty much the, the front runners and, uh, taking me, I didn't know it was going to be that early. Um, but there are definitely, uh, several other teams behind them that I knew were, uh, you know, were going to take me before the 10th round. Just sticking with that that draft day, what's that feeling like when you get that phone call? I know that's a dumb question, a cliched question, but it's not <laughs> one I've got to ask anybody before. Is it something you could actually describe? You know you're getting picked, but when you get the phone call, what what kind of goes through that? I'm assuming you had all your family there with you and a bunch of your friends, and if I were to hang a guess, probably a few coaches that you had growing up. What was it like? Um, to be honest, it, it wasn't much of that. It was, it was a pretty low-key day. Um, it was just me and my parents at home, uh, kind of just doing stuff around the house, you know, keep myself distracted a little bit. Um, I got a few phone calls from a couple of different teams early in the day, like heads up. Um, we'll get, we'll try to give you a couple of rounds notice. Um, but you know, be aware that today, um, could be the day obviously. Uh, but, uh, I mean, I was expecting a call, but I mean, I got called to the third round, which was, I mean, it was about, 30 minutes into day two. So that kind of took me by surprise, obviously. Um, but uh, it was, it's, it's something you always dream about. It's something I always dreamed about growing up as a kid is, you know, playing professional baseball. Um, with the fact that I knew it was going to happen or not, um, it didn't take away from, you know, to sound cliche, like the magic of the moment when, when they called me and told me that I was, you know, going to be playing professional baseball. It's definitely a moment i'll never forget i know it's a moment uh, my parents will never forget because they're right next to me going through it um and then later that evening uh i had all my family and friends a few old a few uh coaches from little league uh and middle school and high school that came over so all in all it's definitely a day that uh i'll never forget and it's a it's a moment that i'll that i'll treasure for a while who cried more your mom or your dad Uh, it was pretty close to be honest with you. It's definitely, uh, my, my older brother played baseball in college. My dad played baseball in college. So, uh, um, it was, my dad was definitely very proud and he had a hard time controlling that, but I mean, I can't blame him, man. It's to be expected. Now you have bragging rights. You have family bragging rights around the Thanksgiving table. <laughs> oh, for sure. And, and with my cousins as well, there's, we have, I had a pretty, uh, some cousins who are pretty, pretty dang good baseball players as well. 
I want to go back to something you said just a minute ago when you said uh, Kyle Wright fell to us. You know, we you, you can do that because you, you're in the organization. And when we when we do that, you know, it's uh, it kind of blurs the line between, you know, fans referring to the team as we and us and everything. So in in that moment, after you, you get the call, it's like, you know, we're going to draft you. You're, congratulations. You're a Brave. So did you immediately just go full tilt into Braves fandom at that point or or. Uh, or so, like a couple of weeks ago, the Braves were playing the, the Orioles in that series. The Orioles actually wound up taking that series in a, <laughs> a relatively tragic moment for the Braves. So, what, where were you? Where were you on that? You know, uh, I mean, like, where does your allegiance lie for for stuff like that? Uh, to be sure, I'll always be I'll always be a Baltimore boy at heart. Um, and the fact that the Orioles only have I think they've only won maybe two series this entire year. One of them happens to be against you know. <laughs> <laughs> over 500 team the Braves that are only a game out of first place and the, um it was definitely oddly satisfying but I was like you know wish the, the, the big Braves you know could have handled it better but um as far as my allegiance I mean I'm, I'm a Braves guy now obviously um I'll always keep track of the Orioles and you know they'll always be the, the team at heart but as far as who I want to see succeed, uh, you know, definitely the Braves from now on. <laughs> you mentioned this a little bit earlier. You said that the Braves had been working on something with your slider. When uh, when they drafted you, did they give you a specific – usually they'll give a specific outline to a player what they want to see. What was the – and this is actually, I should say, it's a question from uh, Andy, my colleague at outfieldflyrule.com um, – what what was your plan? What did they What did they specifically set for you to work on? Uh, so when I came in, I was coming off 100 innings at Mount Olive. Um, so they knew I wasn't going to be like I was. This was basically they were sending me to Danville. Um, and the gist I got from it from from the uh, the brass was they just wanted to get my feet wet in uh, pro baseball. So they were I was looking at two to three innings every five days. Same, same as a starter routine. They were going to allow me to keep that routine going. Um, but just do two to three innings, basically, you know, feel out how pro ball is. And the way they worked it is they kind of just let us do us for the first month of the season. Um, it's about a two and a half month season and short season, obviously. So for basically the first half of it, they kind of just watch us and observe us and like see how we go about things for the most part and kind of get a feel for us as much as we're getting a feel for the game and pro baseballs itself. Um, and then after that, they start working with us a little bit, um, Thankfully, they haven't been uh, – they've been pretty good. They haven't really tried to switch up too many things or anything at all really with me. Um, a few mechanical things, you know, to tighten up here and there. Um, but as far as my pitches and things like that, uh, they've been pretty – I wouldn't say good about it, but, I mean, there hasn't been much changes to be done. It's been more of just fine-tuning, which um, is definitely reassuring to me, and I think it kind of is a testament to what you can get out of a senior sign – um, who has a few more innings under his belt in college. Uh, so it's been a pretty uh, routine process for, with the Braves so far with you know, not tweaking too many things, but kind of just fine-tuning. You mentioned when you were down in Danville, you, uh, you took part of a combined no-hitter. Uh, was that the first time that you'd ever been part of a no-hitter, or, or were you just mowing them down in high school? Uh, like I said, I wasn't uh, a huge prospect coming out of high school is pretty much a stock lefty that filled up the strike zone um kind of what i do now actually <laughs> um but no i've been a part of a couple no hitters i had never thrown one in high school um got pretty close uh, a couple times but i had never thrown one and uh yeah that was definitely exciting to be a part of that and uh 
in Danville. And the cool thing that I really take away from from that was that all three of us were uh, D2 pitchers. So that's kind of just like a, a neat side note to the whole story. But definitely something fun to be a part of. I still have the, uh, the scorecard from that game. Uh, our pitching coach in Danville uh, copied it and gave one to each of us. So definitely a, a cool little story I always treasure from my pro career. Awesome. Now you've you've worked uh, since you've risen so rapidly. You've worked with a ton of catchers in the system, uh, going from Contreras and Lugbauer and Alex Jackson. Now, do you kind of curtail the way you pitch differently according to which catcher you have, or do you just kind of throw the same stuff no matter who's catching? Oh no! I mean, it's I keep my I keep throwing the same stuff I have. Um, I'll usually just sit down with the catchers, you know, Lugbauer I threw to last year in Danville and same with Contreras. So they already had a good feel for the kind of pitcher that I was. So we were pretty much always on the same page. Um, but, yeah, so I did the same thing when I got promoted up here. I sat down with uh, with Jackson and Martinez caught me a few times in Rome. So he already knew. And I'm sure I think he talked to Jackson a little bit about the, the style I pitch. So it's basically just when I got up here is just communicating as clearly as possible to the catcher, you know, what my game is. Um, and so far he's done a pretty good, pretty good job. I would say of, uh, you know, adapting to me as a pitcher and, you know, working and adapting throughout the game as well to see, like, he has a really good idea of how these hitters hit because he's seen most of them on the first half of the season. Um, so it's kind of a give and take of a trust process with, him knowing me and uh, me trusting the, his um, his eyes and his feel behind the plate of what he sees with the hitters. So for for working with with some of these catchers, the catcher was a position in in this organization that up till a couple of years ago there, there was just kind of like a, a black hole. So much of the, the concentration of the, the quality talent was in the arms, but now uh, that's a, an area where the the system has really advanced. Um, when you are working with some of these guys, I mean, who are, who are some of your, your favorite players to watch now? And not just, uh, not just position players, but some of the, the pitchers that you would have the opportunity to, to watch pitch. Within the Braves minor league system right now? Yeah, yeah. Um, I think one of the coolest – I mean, I'm obviously – I'm going to focus on pitchers right away because they come to mind. You know, I spend time with them every day. Um but uh, I'm sure you guys, you know, talked about it a lot. But the difference between Kyle Muller from last year to this year, um, he's really developed a ton, and it's, it was a lot of fun to watch him last year. But then, kind of, you know, see him take that jump this year in Rome um, with the deserving promotion he had up to high A. But uh, he was definitely a lot of fun to watch. Um, Raleigh Delgado is a guy that I'm, I know you guys like, um, and I, I I loved having that guy behind me at shortstop. He's He's probably the truest sense of a grinder. Um, the kid just loves the game. He's a great teammate and, you know, solid as can be at shortstop as well. Um, he was a lot of fun. Contreras is another guy that, you know, he's got a lot of talent um, and kind of just watching him take steps each year um, in the different facets of the game. In the different facets of the game. <laughs> um, and like you said, the, ca- the catcher position is definitely something that they've, uh, you know, tried to bolster up in the past couple of years throughout the draft. Um and then watching Lugbauer transition to catcher because that was something new for him. But he's definitely taken some pretty good strides in the technicalities of catcher as receiving and blocking and things like that. Um, and then another young guy, Drew Waters, obviously. Um, kind of watching him mature slowly. You know, he's a young guy, high school guy. But he's definitely took, taken some great strides and, and really, you know, had a pretty much a breakout season in Rome. Um, 
So watching watching him play from the outfield and stuff is has been a lot has a lot of fun as well. Um, uh, I mean, you see all the guys in high. I haven't really been able to see much of those guys. Um, I got a taste of it, which with uh, being able to watch Bryce and uh, Kyle pitch while I've been up here and uh, and uh, those guys. I mean, they got electric stuff. So it's it's a uh, it's definitely a lot of fun to see the guys up here in Double A as well um, and see a little more experience, a little more. Uh, you know, veteran status from some of the guys up here. So just trying to, you know, take from them as much as I can and, you know, apply it to my own game. Now, when you debuted, you debuted very well with a 10 strikeout performance. Did you, was there any, uh, was there any friendly strutting going along? Cause at that game, it was, you had 10, Tukey came out. I believe Tukey had 11 or 12 the day after you. Uh, and then Kyle Wright, right before you had had 13. So was there any, uh, any, any friendly banter going on between you three? <laughs> uh yeah a little bit i mean uh it was it's it's a lot of fun playing with those guys you know it's always a little bit of a competition between between guys on the team it's it's healthy competition um by all means uh you know it definitely helped a little bit of adrenaline going on in that game in pensacola uh so it was, it was definitely uh a lot of fun to go out and you know kind of state my uh my entrance with the bang a little bit and you know prove those guys you know like better watch out so so it's definitely a lot of fun and you know seeing those guys work every day and uh and seeing their kind of stuff off the mound it's it's definitely a lot of fun to uh, you know know i can compete with those guys now tukey's curveball in videos looks absolutely insane what's it like to see it up close in person uh it's it's one of the best if not the best that i that uh that i've been able to see so far i mean his changeup has definitely been his uh the most uh improvement he's made in his pitches this this year from what i've heard and what i could see and i mean it's it's pretty devastating as well but i mean if you ever get if you ever got into a battle when i saw him pitch and you know hitter was fouling off balls or whatever i mean he just spin off of a curveball and the guy would swing and miss or watch it for strike three so um it's definitely a major league pitch that's going to do a lot of damage in the higher levels when he whenever he makes it so definitely uh a uh, pretty cool pitch to see. Do you guys trade secrets back and forth as far as pitches or things like that? Uh, do you guys ever kind of just? I'm assuming you guys talk shop a fair bit. Do you guys ever ever mess around with different grips with each other? Oh yeah, I mean pretty much all the time. Um, we do, like you said, we spend a lot of time talking shop because you know we're not doing anything four out of five days. Uh, so pretty much anything that goes on in, in the bullpen or whatever. I mean. You can literally bounce ideas off off anybody in the pen. I feel like I mean, I've had that experience. Um, even with the lefties on the team that I talk to, I mean, I try to the guys that I have similar arm slots with or similar mechanics with. I've already, I mean, talked to a couple of them about my curveball because it's my fourth best fourth best pitch. So I mean, I talk to them, see if I can pick up any grips, you know, work on that, see if I can make myself better. And if they have any questions, I mean. I had a couple of guys approach me about my changeup after my uh, debut outing and stuff like that. So um, it's definitely a give and take between the whole team, and I don't think anybody uh, would hold back just because. I mean, it's it's a competitive spirit, but you know you want to see your other guys do well. It's got to be a huge vote of confidence for you, knowing that you know even before even before the Braves drafted you, knowing that you've got guys like like Tuki Toussaint and Kyle Wright and Ian Anderson and Bryce Wilson and all these different guys. And know that they see enough in you to to join that stable of arms. I mean, that's got to be just just amazing, right? And uh, I mean, taking the the small school aspect out of it at all, 
just as a just as a guy, just as a as a pitcher, knowing that uh, that they view you in that same caliber, that's got to be pretty cool, right? Oh, I mean, it's yeah, it's definitely um, gratifying, and I, was, I mean, I'm, this organization has no shortage of you know A plus arms, and to be considered in the same uh, breath as those guys. I mean, beginning of the year I wasn't, and now I mean to be considered at the same same group as those guys and to be pitching with a lot of those guys. Um, it's definitely a great feeling. Now, Doc, to be fair, I'll be completely honest. Doc is kind of the one that turned me on to you when, uh, right, right. As you were just starting that, that dominant stretch. Uh, so it's all kudos to doc that I'm even, <laughs> uh, being able to ask you anything. Uh, have, when you jump up that high, you are a little bit older than some of the other guys. Um, uh, do you see yourself as a fast mover, or do you just want to move at whatever pace? I'm a. I would think most people want to rise up as quickly as possible. Is that something that uh, the Braves have kind of worked with you a little bit on to get you up a little bit quicker, not to to, to get you to help out as quick as possible? Um, to be honest, I don't know. I, like whatever the Braves moves for me, it is. I mean, I know obviously I was a little bit older in Rome, um, so once I had made the All Star game. Um, I had an idea that I was hoping to get promoted, but you know, at the same level, at the same breath, you look at the level above me and Double A, and yeah, you got five true starters in High A, and Double A was just about the same, except for a couple DL guys. Um, so I didn't know if I was going to get moved up or promoted, to be honest. But you know, I don't really try to play GM in my head. That's not really. I think that I don't think many players like to do because it'll drive you crazy, especially in an organization with this much talent of pitching. Um, so I kind of just wanted to, you know, keep my head down and keep pitching and, you know, make them notice what was going on and how well I was pitching. And it ended up working out and even better than I expected. Um, but now I really just try to, you know, keep my head down and, and grind, um, you know, stick to my routines, like I was saying, and, and try to produce good results, uh, Every time I go out there, every five days. Well, you mentioned earlier that you are, that you have very high expectations for yourself. So I actually want to ask about that. Taking out any sort of prospect rankings or whatever, any of us start talking about you and what we expect you to do. What do you expect of yourself when your career is all said and done? Mm. <laughs> that is a tough one. Um, I want to. I mean, obviously, the goal is to make the show, and I want to be. I mean, I want to play in the show as long as possible. Um, you know, when, when guys look at me, it's going to be the same thing when they when they talk about guys that they have control of four pitches, um, they eat innings, you know, they, they go deep in ball games, and they were, you know, a solid starter in the rotation. Um, obviously, you want to be remembered as, as one of the best, um, but as far as, you know, I just want to take it one day at a time and, you know, be an example, obviously, on and off the field. Um, but I would love to have, you know, a 10 year career, 15 year career in the big leagues as, you know, a rotational guy to stay as a starter, because that's what I love doing. Um, but anyway, I can get to the show and, you know, stay up there as long as possible. Keep playing this game as long as possible. Um, that's the end goal. 
or I got one more baseball related until we start asking about you. What's the what's what's the highest pitch count you've been ran up? Because there's a the, everybody always likes to track uh, North Carolina. They've had a nasty habit. The less uh, last year they ran a guy out there for like 140 pitches, and then I believe Matt Harvey also ended up running a pitch count of like 140, 150 at one point. <laughs> so what's uh, these college coaches are more concerned with winning for the most part. What's the highest pitch count you ever got ran up on? Um. The highest pitch count I ever got ran up on was probably was definitely in college, my junior or senior year at Mount Olive. Um, not taking anything away from my coach because he loved to, you know, ride starters a little bit, which you know I knew was was the case. Um, and my routine, I long toss a lot and do a lot of things like that. So I really never. And the seven days rest, I mean, I never really had any issues. But the highest that I ever got up to uh, was I think one thirty three. Good lord! And I think it was. A regional or something but uh yeah i mean my average my average pitch count in college was probably 110 i mean that 133 that's basically edwin jackson's perfect game <laughs> i mean yeah it was i think that might have been an eight inning game or i went through eight innings i think i was like and i was in the ninth but i'd throw like eight and a third or something like that so how long did you? It, I guess you how long did you ice tub after that game? The shoulder get locked down with the uh, the old cold towel for about a couple days. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't think I picked up a baseball the next day, and then and then got after it the you know the following day. But definitely one of the, one of the highest ones I've been up to. <laughs> you at least got the win in the 133 pitch game, right? I did. Yes. <laughs> Excellent. Well, so that leads me to one one other question. Uh, so. There's a lot of talk about whether or not pitcher wins are meaningful stats. Coming from an actual pitcher, do do actual like your personal stats does that does that matter? Yeah, I mean, if somebody says wins don't matter, they're not competitive. Like, I mean, everybody says the one thing you want to look at is you know ERA or uh, walks per nine to K per nine ratio, or you know what's your ERA to your FIP or whatever you want to talk about. But at the end of the day. Um, wins are like they're not the most like important thing i guess when you're looking at development of pitchers and stuff like that um but as far as a personal standpoint i love having wins i mean it shows that i went out there and i had a quality start and i I gave my team an opportunity to win and um i came out and my bullpen finished the game and you know it was a solid team win at that point um they're obviously like i said they're not the most important thing in the development of pitchers and looking at what they're doing but at the end of the day a win is a win on your record and it looks better <laughs> for the pitcher itself it's a pretty big deal nobody wants to be that guy that goes two and 14 but has a two era yeah nobody wants to be jacob Degrom, who has a 0.86 era and went right one and two, one and two in the last 10 starts like n- nobody wants that like you you want to be able to say like look to see if wins on your record and, and obviously it's a team effort to get the offense behind you but um at the end of the day you want to have wins are a lot better than losses feeling and looking <laughs> all right we, well we've talked a lot about you as the player uh but but for you as as just bruce zimmerman if you hadn't played baseball or you hadn't made it as far as you had what what uh, what would you be doing right now what does what was the fallback plan i guess uh the fallback plan was project management and uh the commercial construction field um i was a business uh, administra- business management major in college um, and I did a lot of stuff with project management in the, in my summers when I wasn't playing baseball because I was taking them off from throwing so many innings. Um, that always kind of interests me a lot. 
Um, plus, I like I always liked architecture, so it kind of kept me in the same realm as that. Uh, so that's probably this the route I was going to end up taking. So what do you what do you like to do now when you when you've got off days or when you're in the off season? I mean, what oh, just a, a random Tuesday in in November? What like what do you what's your your perfect day to do when you're not doing this <laughs> stuff? Uh, I mean, I, I love the outdoors, so um, I like to go fishing a lot if the weather holds up, you know, through September and uh, October. Um, camping, concerts, anything like that. Um, in the off season, I'm I, a big gym guy. Um, I love working out. I think it, it tailors to my game and uh, my durability. So you, you could probably find me in the gym, you know, five out of seven days of the week in the off season. Um, but uh, doing that, uh, got a lot of friends back in Baltimore um, who live downtown. And there's no, no sort of shortage of, you know, things to do downtown, whether it be, uh, you know, going out to some of the good places to eat. There's a lot, a lot of good bars, too. Um, but on a regular Tuesday, you probably find me in the gym or – you know, out going fishing or hanging out with some friends if I'm not working. No Fortnite for Bruce Zimmerman? Not a big Fortnite guy. I will say that, yeah. I tried. Um, I sucked. Yeah, I'll, I'll leave that I'll leave that to the rest of my teammates to, to handle that. That's that's definitely something that I think probably ninety percent of minor leaguers are all are all doing. So you know we weren't gonna wind up going this entire uh this entire talk without asking you about your mustache, man. I was I was wondering when that was going to come in. <laughs> <laughs> we oh, had don't to worry until you, you got comfortable with it. Uh, so how how long have you had just just the mustache? Have you have you ever done like some sweet sideburns and tried to connect them, or like <laughs> you know mount, mountain man beard or or anything like that? <laughs> uh, so the mustache thing started in college. Um, we did it my senior year for mustache march. Uh, we had about probably two-thirds of the guys on the team who had uh, mustaches, and it was to raise awareness for uh, sickle cell disease, which one of my uh, pl- one of the players' uh, relatives had. Um, and so we all, you know, I mean, I had the the mustache, and I had the little uh, flavor saver under a bottom lip, and we, all my teammates, we dyed it jet black. Um, <laughs> it was pretty wild. They actually, it was funny because when I got drafted, the picture that uh, Fox – uh, South News South used uh, when they posted it on their Twitter feed was the picture of me with that mustache, like the jet black mustache. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so it started in college. Um, I shaved it off when I got uh, after the season ended after regionals. Um, went down to Danville and a couple of the guys on the team had it, and I was like, you know what, this is going to be you know short season. Going to have fun with it. Going to enjoy my time. So I was like, you know, hell, I'll bring it back. Brought it back. Um, and then going down to spring training, I was like, yeah, I'll keep it for the beginning of spring training. I, I won't keep it for an entire full season because, you know, that's seven months, six months. I was like, I don't know if I can do that. Um, but it's kind of become my calling card within the organization. So um, I've kind of had it on and off. But uh, every time in season for the past year and a half, I've, I've had the mustache. And that is not the last mustache question we'll have. But before we get to the fun segment, uh, one more thing. You're from Baltimore, but now you're down here in the south. Have your teammates gotten you to embrace good old sweet tea? You said that last part again. So uh, have your teammates down here gotten you to embrace good old sweet tea, or are you still drinking that unsweetened nonsense? <laughs> uh, well, being in North Carolina for my last two years of college, uh, I was definitely introduced to the South and all. Um, so I've definitely been drinking sweet tea uh, for a few years now. Um, 
but uh, it's definitely a little bit more of adjustment to go from the south to the deep south. Um, <laughs> but I mean, it's, it's pretty much the same. It's, it hasn't been much of a, a cultural jump, as you might say. Um, I've always been a fan of the south. I, I like the way of life and everything. So um, it's been pretty easy going transition. Not, nothing to nothing to complain about here. Just wait till they get you on the chitlins. You're in Mississippi now. You're about to be. <laughs> you're about to have your eyes open to a whole new array of food. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Honestly, I'm I'm always down to try new things. All right, well, we mentioned it, and now this is the time. It only took us 20 episodes, but we finally have a name for our in segment, which, like the mustache is your calling card. I'm pretty sure half of our listeners just tune in for this final segment. This is where we just have a little bit of fun. Uh, you've spent a, a fair amount of time giving in-depth answers, so now we're going to do our best to make you laugh and humanize you a little bit. So <laughs> if what is now officially called Extra Innings, and uh, I will eventually come up with a good little theme for it. The first question, we're going to go back to the main thing. I'm going to put you on the spot. Who has the best facial hair in the system? You, Sal Giardina, or Brett Cumberland? I mean, have you seen Sal's? It's like his entire face. <laughs> I mean, that, that, that mustache is unbelievable. I'm going to have to give it to him. I think... I think just the the clean, you know, pristine mustache look. That's me. I mean, I kill that. But as far as best mustache in the system, I mean, Sal's is it's, it's pretty unreal. I mean, his name is Sal, though. I kind of feel like I have to take points off because if your name is Sal, you have to have a mustache. Yeah, I mean, he he fits it to a T. So I, I got to give props to him on that. Either that, or you have to own a pizza parlor if your name is Sal. <laughs> Some, sometimes both. <laughs> But he just kind of kind of looks like real life Mario. He doesn't even really have to dress up or how. Yeah, I, I mean, he he pretty much has it has it already going for him, and the mustache really just set it off. So I'll give it to him on that one. Nice. So what's a uh, what's a guilty pleasure song that you have in your playlist? Guilty pleasure song. Oh geez. Uh, shoot. You know you know the one thing that really still cracks me up, like I'll die laughing to is. You know that Yodel Boy remix, like yes. the version that came out a little bit ago. <laughs> yes. Like I will die laughing like ten times out of nine if somebody plays that. Like no doubt, I'll start laughing, laughing at that. Is it on your playlist? Like what's what's that one song that you uh, you have to look around to make sure nobody can hear you singing along to? Uh, uh, I honestly, I can't. I don't know. I'm not, I don't really have one off the top of my head that I can think of right now. Um, if I think of it through the rest of the extra innings, I'll let you know. But off the top of my head right now, I, I can't think of anything. All right, well, Doc, what about you? What's what is yours? I'm gonna make you go first. Oh no, that's cool. I actually I was on my way home from the uh, Braves Blue Jays game last night and uh, caught myself just absolutely uh, rocking out to Vogue by Madonna on the nineties uh, <laughs> on nine. Like I, I didn't realize I, I knew all the words to that song, but uh, somewhere along the line, I committed them to memory. What's yours? All right, I am going to reveal something very deep and dark about myself. There are actually two. That it's one of the reasons I don't listen to the actual radio. Uh, I was going down the road the other day, and Careless Whisper came on, and not not the Seether <laughs> cover, like the actual Wham careless whisper. And I was jamming out. I didn't realize that the window was down. And people could hear me driving by. Uh, so that was one of them. And then there is a uh, there is a Taylor Swift song that I can never remember the name to. But every time I hear it, it came out when I was in high school. Um, oh, You Belong to Me. As, as, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I'll give you that, um, that is one that a buddy, a buddy of mine 
uh, he was for some whatever reason he was all about it in high school. He loved that song, and it started out where I would just make fun of him for it, and then all and of then a sudden caught it, up in it. it just happened. And every time it came <laughs> on, we'd be going down the road, and that would you know it was bad news. All right, well I got I got two for you um, that I that I, I kind of just went through my Spotify real quick and see if I could pick one out. Um, so I'm a big uh, classic rock guy, so. If, Home Sweet Home comes on by Motley Crue. Yes, I will. I will belt that out. That's not a guilty pleasure. Motley's uh, the best. So a big fan of that, and then uh, I'm sure you guys you guys know this one, this next one too, obviously. But uh, Mr. Brightside uh, is definitely definitely a little bit of a guilty pleasure of mine. To just kind of you know let it rip when I'm in the car. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, don't ever be a, don't don't ever feel embarrassed by the Motley Crue love, man. You want that is an awesome band. No, that home sweet home is the jam, dude. So there, there's no need to feel guilt about that one at all. You're not human yeah, if you don't sing that one. Yeah, that that I, I can definitely get into that one a little bit. All right, what is a secret talent of yours? Uh secret talent. Let's see. Um, shit, kind of. It's been a while since I've done anything besides baseball. To be honest with you. <laughs> um. Uh, I don't think of anything that I can you know, a weird, a weird secret talent or something like that. Uh, mm, I mean, I mean, I might have to let you guys go first again. I'm drawing, I'm drawing a blank here. If I could think of anything. All right, Doc, music man, you go ahead and go. Um, as far as you know, I, I am. I try and play the humble card, but I'm actually very boastful, so there are not a whole lot of secrets about me. <laughs> uh, you know, like that that ancient riddle, like what is the sound of one hand clapping? Right. Well, I, I got to like thinking about it one day, and I learned how to like slap my fingers against each of my each of my palms individually, so it sounds like I'm clapping, but I'm doing it with individual hands. So, like that's two different <laughs> hands at work. That's actually very impressive. Visual. I'll post the post the video on Twitter, but uh, it's. That's dumb. That's a very dumb talent to have. But I'm not not like these dudes who can like juggle Rubik's cubes and simultaneously solve them. Like that's that's <laughs> that is that was very impressive. I'm not gonna lie. I'm taking it back now. Um, wait, wait, do you see the video? It's it's ridiculous. Now I wish I had a better talent to come up with. What do you have? I mean, I growing up, I pretty much only only played sports. That was about it. I didn't do anything else. Uh, but I can juggle at least. Um, that's really, I'm a pretty decent whistler, I guess, but that's really about all I got. I'm not a very talented person, uh, as far as secret talents. I guess I'm a, I'm a pretty good writer. If I'm being completely honest, I'm a I'm fairly, fairly well versed in poetry, I guess. I don't know if that's like huh. a shameful secret or anything, but pretty decent writer. Hmm, that's definitely pretty interesting. Actually, I wouldn't have guessed that. Um, thanks. I think, I guess, yeah, <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I really don't have anything like like you guys said. I mean, I can juggle a little bit, like you said. Um, I guess the weird, the one thing that I loved to do um, before baseball kind of really took over my life was uh, I was really big into architecture, and I loved building models of houses and buildings that I wanted to eventually build. Um, so that was kind of a weird little hobby talent of mine that I, I loved to make little uh, diagrams and models of houses and, and buildings I wanted to make at one point. That's that's really cool, actually. Did you get into like um, like Legos and stuff, like building stuff from a really really young age? 
Yeah, I mean, my dad is an architect, so it's kind of always uh, something I was around. But um, Legos, Erector sets, if you ever played with those, the metal yeah. ones. Um, yeah. I mean, I would spend hours, hours a day. Um, if I wasn't out in the woods with my friends, I mean, I was, I was doing Legos or something like that. I was, I've always been a very uh, hands-on, visual uh, kind of guy. So, yeah, those things took up hours of my days when I was, uh, when I was younger. Always the Star Wars Legos, right? What was that again? Always the Star Wars Legos. <laughs> Funny story. I got seven stitches from a Lego Star Wars. Uh, uh, one of the what were they called? The fighters. The uh, the X wing. Uh, the the pod wars. The pod racing. Oh. So I built one of those when I was like eight, and I jumped off my bunk bed, and I landed on it, and had to get like eight stitches in the middle of my foot. <laughs> <laughs> I always knew those things were dangerous. I uh, I yeah, was. I mean, uh, they are sharp. Like, <laughs> are I was uh, I, I built those a fair bit too. I actually ended up having to lock down the room a couple times because my brother and his friend broke. A, I had the Death Star one that took me oh, wow. forever yeah. to build, and they broke it. <laughs> and uh, I've that's, never that's hit my brother. <laughs> I've never hit my brother in the face. That was the closest I've ever come in my entire life. No, that would have been well worth it. Well justified. So if uh, if you were gonna be a pet, uh, what type of pet would you be? <laughs> uh, let me see. I mean, dogs obviously have it the best, but it's a little too generic for me. I'm trying to think of something different. Um, you know what? I, I don't. Does it have to be a pet, or can it just be like an animal? It's gotta be a pet because the next one is gonna pet. be. It ties into what's your owner gonna be like. Um, I guess if I had to be a pet, I would definitely choose a dog. They got they got the best life. I mean, they just chill around all day and then get treats. So I, I definitely take those. I'm being a dog. Now, what would your owner actually be like? What is the owner of the Bruce Zimmerman dog? I'm going to guess you're a dog with some sort of mustache, so one of these schnauzers or whatever. What is the uh, <laughs> what is the ideal owner? Uh, the ideal owner. Uh, you know, someone with a lot of land, I'm not going to be cooped up in a cookie-cutter suburban neighborhood. Um, I'm a, <laughs> that's not something that I, I want to be as a dog. Uh, somebody that's got a lot of land, um, ideally, maybe maybe I could be a bird dog. I don't know. Um, I'll do some hunting in the off-season, so that'd be a lot of fun. Uh, but, uh, you know, someone that's a little weird, definitely got to have a mustache. I mean, my owner has to have a mustache, I feel like. <laughs> uh, but, uh so it was easy going and uh you know outdoors a good bit so pretty laid back kind of guy i guess strong pull no i i will have to go with you i think i would wind up being being a dog too but not just any dog i have been saying for years that like i would i want when i die if i get reincarnated i want to come back as one of my parents dogs because (laughs) my my uh mom loves through food which is why i was overweight when i was a kid and uh, <laughs> and then uh when i was in school um and i and i wound up moving back in with my parents my dog also wound up uh putting on about 30 40 pounds is he just he had the fattest ass because he was getting treats all the time so like <laughs> so i would wind up wanting wanting that exact same life dylan would you be some type of uh unconventional house pet would you be like a lizard or would you what would you be I'm going to actually keep the theme going. I would be a dog, too, but I'm not a conformist like you guys, so I'd be a wiener dog um, because like, you get all the cool stuff. You get to be small enough to where people want to carry you around everywhere and do everything for you. 
but uh, you can get after it when you need to. All your stuff is yours. Nobody else touches your crap. And uh, I would want an owner like my wife, not because uh, this is not a praise on her, but uh, the dogs never, when she's around and I'm not, the dogs never have to actually eat their food. She will uh, constantly feed them whatever she has, whether it's ice cream or whatever she's made for dinner. Uh, so that would be a pretty awesome, easy life. You don't have to move a whole lot. Whenever you feel like <laughs> running around, you're good. If not, eh, let them pick you up. That's the life, dude. If you're small enough, you get to ride in the purse. I mean, there, there's nothing better about it. So uh, our final question is kind of our favorite one to do, and we do this with everybody that comes on now. you got to tell an embarrassing story. We prefer childhood story, but if you've got a good embarrassing story about teenage Bruce Zimmerman or maybe Bruce Zimmerman from a week ago, that's fine too. Oh, all right. Um, let's see what I can think about. Let's see if I pull anything from pretty recently. Stuff like this usually happens to me pretty often. <laughs> um, trying to think of a good one that I could tell. Maybe something from college or whatnot. Um, uh, let's see. You can take your time on this one. We've got plenty of time yeah. on this one. We've had a few other. Uh, some of our, our favorite ones have been uh, our buddy Josh, who got his head stuck between the bars at a mall like the railing got his head stuck between the railing <laughs> we've had oh, doc poop himself on the ferry in uh istanbul yes i did <laughs> uh i've had a few um was it last week i uh i got stuck in a rundown fell flat on my face and tried to crawl back to second base that one was pretty good uh, <laughs> that one was a that was uh there, there's been a few different ones for me I, i'm a bit it's almost better to tell ones that are not embarrassing. I kind of find ways to embarrass myself in mundane life. <laughs> That's true. Um, I'm trying to think of anything from recently that has happened. I don't think I've done anything too embarrassing on my time up in Dubway, but it's been short, so I mean, hold my tongue on that one. <laughs> Something's bound to happen pretty soon. Um, <laughs> uh, man, I... Mm. All I right. know stuff happens to me. I should change I, I it. What is the uh, what is the one story that your mother will tell about you as a child? Then, oh jeez, um, I guess that's not really the embarrassing story. Besides, because of what happened, it involves me like breaking my wrist when I was younger. Um, but I was trying to show off, so I was back in the woods with my cousin, and I was trying to show off. Um, we had cut this vine that was hanging over our creek. It was like. I 15, 10 to 15 feet over for this creek. Um, and it was me and a couple of my cousins. And I was like, you know, like, check this out. Like, <laughs> this is badass. Like, I'm Tarzan. <laughs> and, I, and I swing out over the creek and, like, right over the creek, it snaps. And I fall, like, 10 feet to the creek bed and break my wrist. And then I, like, I'm, I have to, like, walk up the street, like, trying to hold back tears in front of my cousins who are older than me. And, like, <laughs> my dad's like, I'm like, I think I hurt my wrist. And my dad's like, yeah, no shit. Get in the car. It's like just doing some, some dumb stuff. Or like trying, trying to like prove, you know, prove my grit in front of my you know, other guy cousins and stuff. But, I think that's uh, a good one. I, that's always been a good joke. That's a good one. I've actually, I haven't fallen into a ditch like that, but I think that just about, if you're down here, there's a ton of vines down here. And uh, growing up, me and my best friend and his brother and my brother, we all hung out together. They had one of those vines. So we would swing and we'd try to swing across their barbed wire fence. And uh, I decided I'd be the cool one and take a running start and grab it <laughs> and uh, flew right into it. 
stomach nice. first right on it so that was always a good one um lost count how many times my brother's fallen out of trees and tree houses and things like that so uh that that's always a good pull right there when you gotta when you gotta show up for the uh for the male friends and family around i i get where you're coming from yeah i mean i come from a very a very big family uh i mean i got like like 22 uh cousins on one side like 18 on the other uh, and family a family of five um three older sisters and older brothers so uh definitely no shortage of you know trying to prove yourself in front of in front of friends and family uh, in my life that's good and it's never embarrassing unless you consider it embarrassing otherwise it's just a story yeah either way it's a, it's a, it's a good story i mean it's something to you know kind of kicks you in the butt when you're trying to be too prideful so you know it's just kind of a funny story to keep in my back pocket i guess that's always good that means the next time that you have an actual one that you gotta you gotta tweet us and let us know uh, <laughs> but we are coming oh, up yeah the, we are coming up to the end of the show here we've kept you long enough we know you got to get ready for tonight's game uh to all those that are listening out on friday i believe you you started on wins on uh tuesday night so your next start i'm assuming will be saturday uh Saturday, Sunday? Sunday. 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 It should be. So, good luck. Go out and dominate like you always do. Don't let us down. You've now been on the Platinum Sombrero podcast, so you're officially on notice. You have to be a huge deal. You have to be a huge success. And now to, I'm on uh, notice. You have to remember us always. Uh, but again, really, though, thank you for the time spent. It's been a whole lot of fun. Uh, I know everybody out there really enjoyed it. Uh, for everybody out there to start getting the following behind you and your glorious mustache, let them all know your Twitter handle. Uh, Twitter handle is invader underscore Z. I'm assuming um, invader Zim. You know, take a peek. I think I got, I, I'm on private right now, but I'm, I think I'm going to go take that off um i don't do a whole lot of tweeting but i do a lot of retweeting um had some pretty good uh retweets and a lot of people say it's pretty funny so if it if they think it's funny uh, it, it probably is because if i thought it was funny it probably wouldn't be uh <laughs> you know if you want to get a follow um give me a follow i appreciate it <laughs> i mean the handle alone is good it's invader zim right there i mean i'm a little disappointed that your handle wasn't invader zim with two with two m's man you had it right yeah, there. Would, would keep that a little, like, a little different. Make it my own. It's okay. But again, thank you for joining us. Of everybody out there, we hope you enjoyed this show. Make sure you're following us on all the platforms. You know them all by now. Thank you so very much, and we will catch you again next week right here on the Platinum Sombrero. Some people just know bundling with Allstate means big savings. Just like they know the right ingredient means big flavor. They know honey on pizza is where it's at. And olive oil on ice cream is the cherry on top. And they know when you bundle home and auto with Allstate, you can save up to 25%. Mm-mm. 
Bundled savings vary by state and are not available in every state. Saving up to 25% is the countrywide average of the maximum available savings off the home policy. All state vehicle and property insurance company and affiliates, Northbrook, Illinois.